Thanks for listening to Lighthouse Baptist Church podcast. Lighthouse Baptist Church is an independent, fundamental Baptist church located in Pleasanton, California. This message was preached live in one of our regular church services. If you find this message a help, please feel free to subscribe. You can find out more about us at our website, lbceastbay.com. Now to the message. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you open your Bibles now, if you would please, for a brief Bible message. It's our regular Sunday night service to Galatians chapter 4. If you came in and did not get the notes and need those, just hold your hand up. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would please, but if you just need notes, hold your hand up. The minute will help you with those. Just want to cap, recap on what we saw in the message tonight and the song. Beautiful music, beautiful words, beautiful thought. Just an exciting thing we have here at Christmas time. Thank you for coming and hope you'll stay for the refreshments following uh, the service as well. Galatians 4. In verse number 3, the Bible says, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage out of the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Again, where it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wonderful music we've heard tonight. Thank you for all the work that went into it to glorify you and to proclaim the message. Lord, help us remember that it's not just a children's story. It's not a children's message. It's the good news for all, for children, for middle-aged, for old folks, for all of mankind. Lord, we thank you for what you did. Now help us as we look at this passage and help us understand a little bit more. Let us rejoice a little more, God, please, in what the Christmas season is and what it means and what it means to each of us. And Father, if there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know you as personal Savior, never receive that gift that you began to present there on that Bethlehem night, that tonight would be the night they'd get that settled. And Lord, for those of us that are saved and do know you as Savior, that we would be encouraged again about how to live for you based on what we see in this passage tonight. Thank you again for what we've heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Christmas, as we know, is the celebration of the incarnation of God. It's the beginning on earth, that is, of God's salvation plan. It was created, God's plan was before the foundation of the world. But it began, it took on flesh there in that Bethlehem manger. So tonight we're talking about the celebration of a Savior being born. The Bible says that God sent forth His Son. Sent forth there in the Greek, it means to send away forth. To send on a mission, to send on a purpose, to send into battle. And so God sent forth His Son. He didn't just happen on the earth. He just didn't happen along. He was sent forth. And we understand that Jesus Christ, this one sent forth, was not a man that became God. He was not just a man that God decided He was going to use in a special way and put Himself in. But the Bible teaches us that that Savior, Jesus Christ, was and is. I like the fact that He still is. Amen. He is God eternal. The Bible says in John 1, in the beginning, as the beginning of everything, 
was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. A few verses down it says, and that Word was made flesh. That's the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate at the Christmas time. And dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. In Revelation, it tells us that that plan, that death on the cross, that birth and life and death was from before the foundation of the world. It says in Revelation 13, 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him, speaking about Christ, whose names are not written in the book of the Lamb of Life, slain from the foundation of the world. <coughs> so tonight we're looking at God sent His Son. Just some simple things we learn from the Christmas story we've seen portrayed as well as what we get from Galatians. So let God speak to your heart tonight and be challenged about what God has done for us. I'm glad we celebrate the amazing story of the birth of our Savior. First of all, we see there in Galatians 4, we find the perfect timing of sending His Son. The perfect timing of sending His Son. The Bible says, But when the fullness of time was come. God always does things on purpose. God always does things in His right timetable. Nothing just occurs, nothing just happens out of happenstance, but God plans it. So it was perfect timing. When the fullness of time, when that time God had established was set, He sent forth His Son. So it was perfect timing. It was perfect timing in the fact that it was perfect in its prophecy. It was prophesied the coming of Messiah. In Matthew 1, just as God begins to speak in the New Testament, it says, So all the generations... Listen carefully. From Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David unto the carrying away unto Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away of Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. I'd say God had it all planned. And so it was perfect in His timing when He came. He had it planned down to the generation. And in fact, Daniel, we won't take the time there, but you can look it up when you get home. In Daniel chapter 9 and verses 24 through 26, it talks about the weeks of prophecy. And in 60 time, 69 weeks of years... The Bible says in Daniel, the Messiah was going to be cut off. In other words, he was going to die, but not for himself. I'm glad he didn't die for himself. I'm glad he died for you. I'm glad he died for me. So that fullness of time, it was perfect. The perfect timing of the Savior to come. It was perfect in prophecy, but it was also perfect in politics. Yeah, some of us like politics, some of us don't like politics, but we're all affected by politics. Jesus Christ coming and His timing, that fullness of time, was perfect as far as politics go. You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? I mean by it was the time of the Romans. The taxes of the Romans. Yes, something good can come from taxes, all right? The taxing was put out so that Mary and Joseph would be forced to go to Bethlehem where Christ was prophesied to be born. So the fact the Romans were there, that was part of the fullness of time, the perfection of the timing of our Messiah. The fact that the Romans used crucifixion for crucifying their worst criminals. Therefore, then Isaiah 53, where it talks about being nailed to the cross and nails in his hands and his feet, that prophecy, the prophecy of death, of Christ on the cross would be fulfilled because the Romans were in control. It was perfect politically because also the roads that the Romans had established, the Roman government and the Greek government, all those folks had the roads so, so paved, so ready, so when the gospel was ready to go forth, when Jesus Christ rose and the gospel of the New Testament church went out, it was easy to be spread throughout all the known world. It was perfect in its timing in politics. I'm glad, God says, in the fullness of time, when everything was set, when everything was just right, he sent forth His Son. So we find it was perfect in its timing. I'm glad God knows all about timing. In fact, God's got His timing for you also. 
I do not believe you're here by accident tonight. I don't believe God had you born in this time, in this country, in this state for just accident. God has a plan for your life, also a perfect plan and perfect timing. But talking about Christ, we see the timing was perfect when the fullness of time was come. He sent his son. Secondly, we see the parentage of his son that he sent. The Bible says... But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman. His parentage was unique. His parentage was peculiar. Made of a woman. God's plan to have the Messiah come through woman has been all the way from the very beginning. In fact, the Bible tells us in Genesis 3, right after the fall of Adam and Eve, God made the first promise of the Messiah, and He said to the serpent, He said, And I will put enmity, talking to the serpent, talking to Satan, between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. A picture of the Messiah coming from the seed of woman, going to the cross, and there on the cross, bruising the head of Satan, and Satan bruising the heel of our Messiah. And so we find it was promised from the seed of woman. In fact, you trace the lineage of Christ there in the Gospels, it goes all the way back to Eve, so God can prove His promise to fulfill that, that it's going to be the parentage of our Savior is going to be through Eve. So we find the parentage of this one that God sent. It was peculiar. The parentage, Mary and Joseph, if you will, was peculiar in its purity. In its purity because it was virgin born. Joseph had no part in the birth of our Savior, except to be the the stepfather of him, to watch over him and guard him and provide for the family and care for the family and make sure he's born safe. But we find it's peculiar in its purity. It was prophesied that it was going to be a virgin birth. You say, preacher, do you believe in the virgin birth? I most certainly do. I'm glad he was virgin born. The Bible tells us in Isaiah, many, many years before the birth, Isaiah 7:14. therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. He said he's going to show you something. He's going to show his power and his love. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. It was so important that it be a virgin birth, because it had to come from woman, because that was God's promise, to have the seed of man, if you will, to be a human, just like you and like me, but not of man's seed, so he would be God at the same time. In fact, in Luke one thirty four, Then said Mary unto the angel, when he announced to her that she was going to have the Messiah, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. God makes it very clear that Joseph was not the father. In Luke 3.23 it says, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, supposed by the people of the world, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. So we find his parentage was peculiar in its purity. The fact virgin born. See, he had to be virgin born. He had to have the seed of woman so he could have a human flesh, but not the seed of man so he would not have to die for man's sin. So he would not have the sinful nature that man has. So we find he was peculiar in his purity. His parentage was peculiar in their position. Their position. He wasn't born to the king. He wasn't born to the rich folk. He was born to most of the poor, common, ordinary people. A carpenter. A poor carpenter at that. 
He loves poor people. Say, how do you know? He made a bunch of us. Amen. But he became poor, born to the very lowliest of people. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse number 9, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, King of kings, Lord of lords, Christ in the highest, coming from God, is being God in heaven, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye, that's us, through his poverty might be made rich. So we think about his parentage, made of a woman, peculiar in its purity, peculiar in their position, and peculiar in their pedigree, who Mary and Joseph were. Both Mary and Joseph were both descendants of David's lineage, kingly lineage, because that was going to give Christ then the position, if they wanted to trace back, and say, yes, he has the right to be on David's throne. He was also not of a priestly tribe of Levi, but of the, he was the lion of the tribe of Judah. Not through the normal priestly, though he is our high priest, but not through the normal priestly lion. And he did that to show that the law could never make anyone perfect. So even that was outside. So we think of the perfect timing. I'm glad we celebrate the perfect timing of God to bring forth his son. I'm glad he showed us the parentage of our Savior. But ladies and gentlemen, tonight, very quickly, let me let, help you. We find in that passage the purpose of sending his son. He sent forth his son. God did it on purpose. And he gives us in that passage the purpose. If you look back at our text. There in Galatians chapter 4 verse number 3. Verse number 4. But when the fullness of time was come. God sent forth his son made of a woman. Made under the law. And here's God's purpose. That God might redeem that God might do the redeeming. It says to redeem them that were under the law. So God's purpose for sending His Son in that fullness of time with that unique parentage is to redeem. You say, what does the redeem mean? It means to buy back, to purchase back. He bought us back. So God sent His Son to purchase us back to Himself, to purchase us from the clutches of Satan, to purchase us from the doom of hell, to purchase us, to redeem us. That's what Christ came. That little baby we celebrate, yes, that was the start of where He took on flesh. He was always in heaven. He took on flesh there in Bethlehem, but He came not to be just a baby to celebrate, not to give us just Christmas cards, not to live a good life of examples, but to go to the cross, to shed his blood, to redeem us, to purchase us back from our sin. In Ephesians 1, 7, it talks about Christ and it says, in whom we have redemption, God buying us back through his blood. Now, I know we live in a day and age where we don't want to think about a, a bloody religion. But the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It took the shedding blood of our Savior, of God, to redeem us back. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. I'm glad my sins are forgiven according to the riches of His grace. In Hebrews 9, it goes and tells us a little more detail about this redemption, buying us back, purchasing us back with His own blood. It says, neither by blood of goats and calves. All the Jews for years and years had those sacrifices, picturing the coming Lamb of God. Every lamb, every goat, every turtle dove, every animal slain there as those sacrifices and the blood sprinkled on the altar was a picture of the coming Messiah, the coming one who was going to die. And so God says, neither by the blood of goats, all the Jews would understand. All those goats, it wasn't that. And of calves, those calves, it wasn't that. But by His own blood. He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. 
buying us back by his blood. Blood of animals couldn't redeem us. The blood of the calves or the lambs could not, only by the blood of God. And the Bible there tells us that Jesus Christ took his own blood and sprinkled it on that mercy seat in heaven for the forgiveness of sin. I'm glad I am bought back with the blood of Jesus Christ. The purpose of sending his son, again, it says, to redeem them that were under the law. We were under the law. We were under the curse. The Bible tells us if we could keep the law, we could live. But none of us can keep the law. None of us can live right. None of us can live holy. We've all already broken the law. And because of that, we deserve a place called hell. But God loved us so much, he sent his son to shed his blood to redeem us. So the purpose of God sending his, sending forth his son is to redeem us. And secondly, the purpose of sending his son, not just that God might redeem and buy, and buy us back, but we might receive. We might receive. Look, if you would, please, there in verse number 5. It says, to redeem them. This is why he sent his son, made of a woman, under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. That's to buy us back with his blood, that we might receive. Not just that he would buy us, but we can receive something. Not just to purchase us, but that we might receive something. And notice what it says, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So that we might receive. So God didn't... Re God didn't redeem us. God did not shed his blood for us. God did not purchase us just to keep us out of hell. But he wants us to receive something and receive, and we find here, the adoption of his son. He wants us to be his children. He wants to be uh, us to be in his family. He wants us to live forever. I'm glad he saved me from hell by shedding his blood on the cross of Calvary, paying for my sins. But I'm abundantly glad that he wants me to be his own son. That we might receive. Very quickly, notice what it says there in verse number 5. This is what we can receive. To redeem them that were under the law. That's what God wants. That we might receive, number one, the adoption of sons. He wants to adopt us. See, there's only one begotten son. Jesus Christ. But many adopted sons and adopted daughters. Joint heirs with Christ. He wants us to receive that adoption. He wants us to receive the spirit of his son. Listen carefully, or if you've got your Bibles open, you can see that. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. He wants to adopt us. And because of your sons, God has sent forth the spirit, capital S, of his son into your hearts. So God, his purpose was to redeem us, but also that we could receive the adoption. I've been adopted by the King of kings and Lord of lords. But not just because I'm adopted. He says, now I can receive the spirit of his son. The Bible says that we have, if you're saved, that we have the spirit of Christ in us. The Holy Spirit of God in us. What an amazing thing that in this old earthen vessel, as the Bible says, I can have such a wonderful treasure. So God sent his son for the purpose that he might redeem us, but also that we might receive the adoption. That we might receive the spirit of a son. And not only that, that we could receive the inheritance of a son. Verse number 6, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, the Holy Spirit, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba is the Jewish word for daddy. It's a very familiar term. It's a very loving term that we can cry to our father as our father. Verse 7, Wherefore there art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then heir 
of God. I am an heir of God, a joint heir, the Bible says, with Jesus Christ. I have the inheritance of a son. So when you think about what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary when he sent him, he, he brought us back with his blood, but he's not to buy us back as property. He brought us back so he can adopt us. He brought us back so he could put the spirit of his son inside of us, and he brought us back so we could have the inheritance of the son. It's no wonder the Bible tells us that when we become saved, we're new creatures and all things become new. Life changes. Eternity changes. Blessing changes. Purpose changes. Spirit changes. Lives get turned around. Why? Because he sent forth his son. Now, the key is, he redeems us by his blood, but we have to receive him. It says in John 1, about Christ, he was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Listen. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You say, preacher, how in the world can I be adopted? How in the world can I have that spirit inside? How in the world can I receive the inheritance of a son? How in the world can I, can I cash in on that being redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? That's receiving his gift. Because see, the Bible says, number one, we're all sinners, even as they sang about it. You look at this whole world, it's not hard to figure out we're all sinners. Fellas, you're a sinner. You say, preacher, how do you know? I spoke to your wife just a little while ago. We're all sinners. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. A place called hell. Revelation 21.8, the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone. In other words, I'm a sinner. Yes, I am. The wages of sin, the penalty for my sin is a place called hell. But God commended. He showed his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, not because we're good, not because there's anything good in us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid that sin debt. He came as that manger. He came as that child. He lived a perfect life. So for the purpose of going to the cross to shed his blood, to buy us back, his sinless blood, to buy us back and to adopt us. And if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, that means just admit he is God, as he promised, said he was, and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead. In other words, he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again when we celebrate on Easter. Thou shalt be saved, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's believing and calling by the grace of God. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, those that are guilty, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So tonight, as we think about the birth, we've heard about the music, we saw the choir, we saw the, the cute young folks and cute story. The truth that they proclaimed is so. Have you received the Savior? But as many as received him, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. We must receive him. If you've never received Jesus Christ, again, knowing that you're a sinner, like all of us, knowing the penalty of sin is hell, but God loved us so much so we don't have to go there. He died on the cross that paid the sin debt and offers us the gift of eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If we can believe that, acknowledge that, and God speaks to our heart, and we call upon Him, He promises to save. And when that happens, oh my, 
We are adopted into the family. We get the spirit of the son and we then line up and receive the inheritance of the son. You need to be saved if you're not. It's by the grace of God, not by being part of a Baptist church, not by trying to live good because we're already guilty, but receiving the son. When the fullness of time was come, he sent forth his son, made of a woman, to redeem. Say, preacher, I am saved. I'm glad if you are. I know I am. At age 19, I trusted Christ and he saved me. But what? Our life should be so much different because we are saved. Wow. Have you received him? And if you have, are you living for him? So tonight, if you've never trusted Christ, you can before we leave here tonight. That you might know your sins are forgiven. You might know that adoption. You might know that you've been redeemed. That you might know heaven is your home. Let's bow our heads, please. Thanks again for listening to Lighthouse Baptist Church Podcast. Find out more about us at our website, lbceastbay.com. I hope you can visit again real soon.